0: show the stock markets ended a positive week on a little bit of a down note all of the major averages had small losses today well off the lows of the day the market tried a couple of times to sell off but the uh, dips were bought on each occasion and we ended up closing near the highs of the day even though we were down on the day. But again, up on the week. But pretty much everything was up on the week, except for Treasury bonds and the dollar. The dollar fell, long-term interest rates rose, but gold was up, oil was the big winner on the week. Even though it was down, I think, close to a dollar a barrel today, we closed right around $52, up better than 8% on the week. But what has been driving the rally has all been the Fed. I mean, there's nothing fundamental that has changed about the US economy or about the US stock market other than the Powell put is now back in play. And in fact, it's not just Powell that's putting that out there he has been joined by a chorus of central bankers who came out today yesterday all throughout the week they're all now reading from the same dovish playbook they've got their marching orders and they are talking up the market now talking about how the fed has to you know listen to the market and be careful and take its cues from the market it used to be that the market didn't matter that the fed was just going to do its thing and you know the markets are going to do what they're going to do And it didn't take long for that to change. And, of course, I've been saying that all along, that the Fed was not going to allow this house of cards that they deliberately inflated to just fall apart. Now, they had to pretend Uh, that they didn't care about the markets. But, of course, the whole time they were hoping the markets actually didn't go down because they didn't want to have to reverse policy. They wanted to talk tough, even though they didn't have a stick at all. And, of course, once the markets called their bluff, well, they had a fold, And that's exactly what happened. The Fed capitulated. And it's no accident that that happened. You know, I'm surprised that Donald Trump hasn't claimed credit for the Fed. Uh, cutting rates remember when oil prices went down Trump claimed credit for that he said oh it's no accident right that um, oil prices are down don't you think that's don't think that's just a coincidence they're down because I got tough with the Saudis and you know I am the reason that oil prices went down I'm sure that his temptation was to come out and say the same thing you know now that the Fed is doing what he said they should do he should say do you think it's an accident that the Federal Reserve cut rates? No, I did that, right? But I think maybe his advisors kind of told him, hey, don't say that uh, because, you know, you don't want to act like the Fed is political. Uh, that might undo uh, the benefits, right, that we think we have now from a, an accommodative Fed. You know, it was my my son, Spencer, that initially uh, mentioned that to me, that he, he, he actually thought that Trump might come out and, and do that, and then, of course, it would backfire. But... Of course, a lot of people would realize that, well, that's just Trump, right? He claims credit for everything good that happens. And if you think it's a good thing that the Fed is no longer going to raise rates, Uh, and obviously Trump thinks it's a good thing, that his uh, political instincts would be to just claim credit for it and say it's because of him. But clearly uh, that would be a mistake. I mean, the markets need to believe, I guess, or they just want to pretend to believe that the Fed is independent and that it is independently Decided to do a complete 180, uh, having nothing to do with the influence of politics or Trump. And of course, none of that is true. Uh, the Fed is very much political and they are trying to do what is in the short-term political interests, not just of Trump, but probably everybody who's been elected, uh, who is now an incumbent. I mean, they all want to keep this, uh, this bubble going as long as possible. And, of course, the Fed is beholden to the markets, even though it didn't want to admit that. This entire economy is all about asset prices, and the stock market is a big part of that, also the real estate market. And, by the way, Even though we did get a drop in interest rates as a result of the about-face by the Fed, and we did have a big surge this last week in mortgage applications, refis, and the like, it hasn't really helped the housing market. And I don't expect it to help. I think housing prices are going to continue to fall despite the fact that the Fed is no longer going to be hiking rates And I believe the stock market after this correction is over is going to continue to fall until the point where the Fed has to cave again. Because as I've been saying, it's not just about future rate hikes. It's about the rate hikes that have already happened in the past. These rate hikes already guarantee a recession, even if we don't get additional rate hikes on top of that the markets still haven't come to terms with this but it is really crazy listening to people talk about what's going on on television you know I I was listening to this guy Tommy Lee who's one of those big Bitcoin uh, guys on CNBC who was touting Bitcoin and he's the guy that had that crazy year-end forecast you know he was initially looking for 25,000 uh, last year and even in December, when Bitcoin was about, I don't know, five six thousand, he only lowered his target to fifteen thousand, and of course he was, you know, off by a mile. Now I don't think he wants to give targets anymore, uh, even though he's still bullish. Uh, but basically, listen to this guy Tommy Lee. He's now super bullish on the stock market too, which is probably a good contrarian indicator that it's going down. But he was talking about the Fed and the fact that they raised interest rates in December, and according to this guy Tommy Lee. That was the biggest policy mistake that the Federal Reserve has made in 50 years. 50 years! I mean, first of all, raising interest rates by 25 basis points was not a mistake. They should have raised them. In fact, the mistake was that they waited so long. The mistake was that they didn't raise them by more than 25 basis points. Interest rates are still too low. So anything the Fed does to move interest rates up, is the correct policy. They should be moving them up faster and by a higher amount. Now, what would be a mistake is believing that the Fed could raise interest rates and not have a negative effect on the bubbles in the stock market and in the economy. But according to guys like Tommy Lee, the Fed's policy is supposed to help the stock market go up or help the real estate market go up. No, it's not. I mean, if the goal of the Fed is to perpetuate a bubble, then yes, but if the goal of the Fed is to have a sound economy, to have sound money, then those uh, goals are mutually exclusive. You know, it's not what's good for the stock market is good for the economy. It's not like, you know, the 1950s where, you know, what's good for General Motors is good for the economy. And of course, when they said that it wasn't General Motors stock price. That people were worried about it was just about the health of General Motors as a company not what the value of its shares were but the real value of the enterprise based on the the profitability of the company not 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 some kind of inflated stock price but the purpose of the Federal Reserve is not to keep the stock market going up but so many people seem to believe that that's the purpose. In fact, a lot of people are now talking about the mistakes that Powell made and they're saying that, well, when he was speaking, he didn't say the right things for the market. And so now, you know, now he's he's not speaking as much off the cuff. He's reading from his notes because he's got prepared notes. So he makes sure that when he says something, he says something that's market friendly, which shows you just how ridiculous this whole thing is that Federal Reserve officials or the chairman of the Federal Reserve has to be very careful about how he phrases things because people in the markets are paying so much attention. That shows you what a bubble it is that everything depends on what these guys say, right? That the whole market is is so fundamentally unstable that it can unravel based on you know, poorly chosen words of people that work at the federal reserve. I mean, basically this stuff shouldn't even matter if we had a real healthy market and a healthy economy, it wouldn't really matter. Uh, what, what, what they're saying, but because it's so unhealthy, because it's a bubble, well, we have to make sure that they don't do anything to accidentally prick it, right? So that, that, that should already make you nervous about what's going on, but he's got, he was getting all this criticism, but now people are thinking, okay, he's got the right scripts. Now he's going to do the right thing. There's no more rate hikes coming. In fact, you know, more people are saying this. I'm listening to more people on television now saying that the Fed is more likely to cut rates in 2019 than raise them. Right. Of course, when I was saying that a few months ago on television, you know, the, you know, a few occasions they let me on U.S. television. But when I said that, that's like, oh, that's impossible. That's crazy. How could anybody think that? Remember, people were saying, Peter, the Fed is saying they're going to raise rates. So how could you say they might cut them? My point was, I don't care what they're saying now. I'm telling you what I think they're going to do. I mean, they're going to talk about how great everything is. But when push comes to shove, they're not going to be able to follow through with what they're saying. Now, yes, they were able to raise rates several times thanks to this boom that we got after Trump was elected. They were able to slip through these rate hikes because everybody was too you know, drunk on tax cuts and all the mania to realize the damage that was being done by these rate hikes to the bubble economy. Uh, But now the damage is uh, becoming more and more obvious to people. And, you know, when Tommy Lee is saying that this is the biggest policy mistake that the Fed has made in 50 years, I mean, come on. I mean, look at all the huge mistakes that Alan Greenspan made in the 1990s that inflated the dot-com bubble. Think of the enormous mistakes that were made by Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen that inflated the housing bubble and caused the financial crisis. I mean, the Fed has made some massive, monumental policy mistakes over the years. Not just over the last 50 years, over the last 20 years. I mean, to say that the worst thing they did was raise interest rates by 25 basis points in December because the stock market went down a little bit. Look, if the Fed actually did the right thing, the stock market would go way down. The real estate market would go way down. Asset prices coming down is part of the solution, right? If we actually want to have a real economic recovery, we need to deflate these asset bubbles. We need much higher interest rates because we need more savings. We need less consumption. We need more savings so we can have more capital investment, so we can have more productivity. You can't spend and save the same money. It's one or the other. But if you've built a bubble economy based on spending, and the only way to have a real economy is for people to save and not spend, well, you have to deflate the bubble before you can build up a real economy. But that's not what the Fed is doing. They're still in the business of kicking the can down the road. And, you know, Jerome Powell did a big interview yesterday. He had this, uh, I forget where he was talking, but it really was like a question and answer uh, type of interview. And I watched the whole thing. And you know, one of the most amazing things that he said, I mean, first of all, he, you know, he was asked who he thought was the better Fed chairman, uh, Ben Bernanke or Janet Yellen. And he goes, oh, they both did a really, really good job. But he wouldn't say who he thought did a better job. He said it was a tie. And I don't know. Maybe he's right. Maybe it was a tie. They both did a horrible job. I mean, I think Ben Bernanke uh, was worse uh, than Janet Yellen. I think historically, when they look back at it, I think he, uh, you know, was the, you know did more damage uh, than than did Yellen. But neither of them were a good uh, chairman. But the fact that he he thinks so highly of them just shows you how little he knows and what a horrible job he's going to end up doing uh, for his tenure, which isn't going to last very long because obviously when his four years are up. He's getting fired because it's going to be a disaster. And so he's going to probably be the fall guy uh, for that. But another thing that he said, which was probably the most amazing thing, was he was asked about, is a recession coming by the guy that was interviewing? And he said, no, 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 there's no chance of a recession. I don't see a recession coming. Now, of course, if he didn't see a recession coming and he thought there was no chance of a recession, then why is he pausing? because he was talking about being patient and not raising rates and and waiting for the data. But if he thinks there's no chance of a recession, then why leave interest rates so low? I mean, the only reason that you would pause is if you think that, well, maybe there will be a recession. But he says, no, no, there's no chance of that. Yet he's pausing anyway, despite the fact that he doesn't think that there's a chance of a recession, which means he's pausing because of the stock market. He's trying to stop the stock market from falling, even though he thinks the economy's in great shape. He's actually worried about the stock market, but he doesn't want to come right out and say that. But that's really what it's all about, unless he actually is worried about the economy, which he should be if he actually knows what's going on, but he doesn't want to admit that, so so he's lying, and he's kind of, kind of keeping that quiet. But when he was asked, you know, why? Why are you not worried about a recession? He said, well, a recession is caused uh, for two reasons. He said, one, it's either because there is a jump in inflation and then the fed has to slam on the brakes by jacking up interest rates to combat inflation and that would cause a recession and he said but there's no signs that inflation is a problem and that's completely wrong i mean inflation is a huge problem i mean you may not see it in the numbers right we in fact we got the uh, cpi numbers that came out today and again it was a benign number pretty much exactly as Expected the headline number for December was down one tenth. That was exactly as expected year over year. It was up 1.9. That was exactly what was expected. The core was up 0.2 for the month. That was also exactly what was expected. And the year over year core increase was 2.2. Again, exactly what was expected. The market got exactly what it expected when it came to inflation, but of course, the CPI. Uh, Does not tell the whole story when it comes to inflation. I think the real rate is higher than that. I think think it is considerably higher than that. But one of the reasons that we have seen a, you know, downward pressure on prices is because we had the big drop in oil prices. We had the rise in the dollar, but that was based on the expectation that the Fed was going to keep on hiking rates. Now that the Fed says, well, we're not going to hike rates anymore because we're not worried about inflation, well, now the dollar is falling, commodity prices are rising, and now all these inflation numbers that all of a sudden came down a little bit are now going to start going the other way. So when when Powell says there's no threat of inflation out there, he couldn't be more wrong, especially if we end up getting a recession with um, massive budget deficits that the Fed ends up monetizing By going back to quantitative easing, we're going to have massive inflation. But according to uh, Powell, inflation isn't even a risk. He doesn't see any evidence that inflation is a problem. But more amazing than that, right? Because at least, you know, you could look at the CPI. If you're going to hang your hat on the CPI and where it's been, you know, you could say, look, we're not worried about too much inflation. But the, the crazier thing was. He said, the other reason that you get recessions is because you have too much debt, too much leverage, and you have an asset bubble and then the bubble pops. And then, you know, you have a, a crisis or, you know, you have debt problem with debt. And he said, we got nothing to worry about there. He said, we don't have too much debt. We don't have any asset bubbles anywhere, so nothing to worry about there. I mean, that is the most amazing statement because we have bigger asset bubbles than we've ever had and more debt and more leverage than we ever had. Look, I mean, he will admit that we had a bubble in 2008 that popped. He admits that we had a bubble in 2000 that popped. But for some reason, he says there's no bubble now. Well, the bubble we have now is much bigger than either of those bubbles. And we have far more debt now than we had in 2008 or 2000. And of course, if you go back to what the Fed was saying back in 1999 and 2007, they didn't see any signs of asset bubbles back then either. They didn't see any signs of excess leverage back then either. Of course, now in hindsight, they go back and say, yes, we had excess leverage back then and we had bubbles. But here we are in front of an even bigger bubble with even more leverage. And even though they have experience with these last two bubbles that popped, that they didn't see, that they didn't think were bubbles, and they weren't worried about the debt. Now that we have even bigger bubble and even more debt, they're saying the exact same thing. There's no bubble and there's no debt, even though there's a bigger bubble and more debt than ever. So if by Powell's own admission, It's asset bubbles and excess leverage that cause recessions. Then even if you're not worried about inflation, you need to be worried about that because it's obvious that we have an asset bubble and too much debt and excess leverage because we have bigger bubbles and more leverage now than we did before. And the last two times, you know, we got recessions when it popped. So it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the, probably the most amazing part about it all is that people still take these guys seriously. Why am I the only one that points this out? Why does the mainstream listen to this guy and just say, oh, okay, I guess we don't have to worry about a recession because the Fed told us not to worry. Well, when have they ever told you to worry about a recession? Never in the history of the Fed have they ever predicted a recession, even as the one as obvious as the, uh, the one that we had in 2008. And in fact, we even had more evidence uh, that came out this week on uh, the the Christmas shopping. Remember, they came out with these initial numbers. Mastercard said, "Oh, the Christmas is going to be great. We had some good numbers, and the markets were celebrating uh, the fact that oh, the consumer is there." Well, Macy's came out yesterday and reported terrible. Uh, numbers from Christmas to, to New Year's and the stock cratered. It was down 18% yesterday, down another 2% today. So 20% in two days. And and so it took down a lot of other retail stocks. And so you you, you see that even even with um or prior to, you know, the big drop in the market, because probably most people didn't have a chance to react uh, to the big drop in uh, stock prices or even uh, the, the falling real estate market in the, uh, the Christmas season. But I'm sure that there's going to be a follow-on effect uh, throughout this year, uh, 2019, as consumers start to reduce their purchases based on the decline that we've already seen in asset prices from the peak. And I think that that decline is going to continue. But in the meantime, it shows you that the consumer, everybody keeps talking about how the consumer is in such great shape. No, he's not. The consumer's in lousy shape. The consumer has more debt than he's ever had, and they keep taking on more debt. I mean, if the consumers were in great shape, they would be out of debt, right? That's a consumer who's in good shape, a consumer who isn't loaded up with debt. You know, if you've borrowed a lot of money to consume in the past, that means you're in bad shape to consume in the future, because instead of buying more stuff in the future, you got to repay the loans that you took out to buy stuff in the past, plus interest. But, you know, all these people that keep talking about what great shape the consumer's in, they just assume that they could borrow indefinitely, that they have an unlimited credit line, and it doesn't matter how much debt they have, they can always borrow more. I mean, that's what people assume with the U.S. government. Oh, the U.S. government can keep borrowing money. No, they can't. I mean, as long as interest rates are low, they can borrow. And that's been the case with every government that has gone into too much debt. But at some point, it becomes a problem. And looking at some of these numbers that we're getting now, you know, we got a really bad 30-year uh, bond auction with foreign participation really plunging. Uh, you know, we are going to run out of borrowers, and uh, we're going to have a real crisis. Now, I was watching this guy. I don't remember. It was a mainstream guy, but you know, he seemed like he he was a smart guy, and he 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 knew what he was talking about. He was an asset manager can't remember you know what his firm was but he was saying some stuff that obviously was upsetting to the the host on CNBC because he was negative on on the US market but he pointed out that over the past 10 years right pretty much since the 08 financial crisis the best performing market has been the US stock market and basically he said that the rest of the world in dollar terms has been flat that you've made no money in foreign stocks since the financial crisis, yet the U.S. stock market has tripled. And 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 so his point was that, you know, the U.S. market is not going to do well for the next five to 10 years. Uh, he said that the overvaluation of the U.S. market relative to the world is the greatest it's been in over 100 years. And, and that especially since the dollar is likely to decline in the years ahead, that the smart thing to do would be invest outside the United States and not in the United States. And, of course, everyone on CNBC still thinks the rest of the world is a disaster and you just want to invest in America because we've got the greatest economy and everything is great. And, of course, you know, uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. But this guy was out there basically laying it out. He wasn't, you know, apocalyptic or gloom and doom. He was just stating the facts about how expensive the U.S. market was just based on historic Uh, you know, relationships between the U.S. and the rest of the world, and that the rest of the world was going to outgrow the U.S., and that the dollar was going to fall, and that, you know, if you had any brains, you would be selling U.S. stocks and buying foreign stocks. And, of course, that's exactly what I'm doing. But, you know, it really made me think again about how ironic it was that the U.S. stock market has done so well since the 2008 financial crisis. Because I didn't expect that, obviously. I mean, if you go back to – Peter Schiff in 2005 when I was writing my first book, Crash Proof, How to Profit from the Coming Economic Collapse. And of course, everybody is excited about the U.S. stock market back then. Everybody is excited about the U.S. economy. And I know it's a bubble, right? I know that. It's going to end in disaster, right? Because I'm making forecasts that were the housing market's going to crash. Remember, I said housing prices would drop 30%. Nobody thought they would ever drop. People were telling me, Peter, housing prices never go down. So you're crazy to think they're going to go down at all, let alone go down that much, right? But I thought real estate prices would really drop. I thought that that would create a financial crisis, that banks you know, could fail, that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac would go bankrupt, I thought that you know they'd probably get bailed out, but I said we would have the worst recession since the Great Depression, that we would have a double-digit unemployment, trillion-dollar deficits, right? All this stuff happened. I was writing about this in my book, saying all this was going to happen. Right? and then saying that the Federal Reserve was going to have to come to the rescue of the economy, they were going to have to print all kinds of money, they were going to have to slash interest rates again, that this was going to be the wrong policy, that this was going to be a mistake, but that they were going to do it anyway. Right, So I, I nailed all that, 100%. But my assumption was, if all these bad things were going to happen to the U.S. economy, if people who were so optimistic suddenly found out how wrong they were and everything was going to implode, I thought that it would be a bad idea to be invested in U.S. assets, that U.S. stocks would, would be the wrong place to be, right? There's going to be this major economic catastrophe. And, of course, as it was going on, right, people admitted this is the worst crisis since the Depression and if the Federal Reserve didn't act. I mean, everything would have imploded. The banks would have failed. I mean, your, the ATM machines wouldn't have worked. I mean, it would have been Armageddon, right? Um, so I'm, I'm forecasting all this in advance and, and making the logical – conclusion that if I'm right on this housing bubble created by the Fed and how enormous the financial crisis is going to be when this bubble pops, my thinking was, I want to get out of Dodge. I want to invest as far away from America as possible because this can't be good for our markets, right? And I pretty much think that anybody would have agreed with me. Anybody back in 05 or 06 who would have Agreed with me. See, nobody did agree with me. But if you agreed with me, if you bought what I was saying, nobody would have concluded, yep, I want to go all in on the U.S. stock market. Yep, the next decade, if you're right, Peter, and it all collapses, then the U.S. stock market is going to have fantastic returns, right? That the U.S. real estate market is going to have great returns. Nobody would have thought that. Everybody would have agreed with me that, yeah, Peter, if you're right, yeah, I need to get out of U.S. assets. It's going to be, you know, a shit show, right? It's going to be horrible. That was what happened. It was very ironic that even though the crisis happened in the United States, was centered in the United States, that the best place to invest in the world after the crisis happened was in the United States. Now, I mean, people want to blame me for not understanding that. I mean, nobody would have jumped to that conclusion if they believed what I believed. And even though I was right about what was going to happen I was wrong about the way to invest. Now, of course, some things I got right, like I shorted subprime. I had plenty of Euro Pacific, well, not plenty, a number of Euro Pacific capital clients took my advice and got into the hedge fund that we created to short the subprime market, and they made a boatload of money doing that in 2007. So I got that piece of the puzzle right. But the broader piece of the puzzle, investing in U.S. stocks and you know gold stocks instead of the US market that worked for a while that worked in 09 10 11 but then it stopped working all of a sudden the US market you know went way up and foreign markets went down and 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 here we are but if you look back now with the 2020 benefit of hindsight what happened well when the fed slashed interest rates and did quantitative easing initially there was the correct concern that this was going to end badly, that this was inflationary. And that's why initially gold went up to 1900 and the dollar started to fall. But of course the dollar initially rose dramatically in 2008 from its record lows, its all time record lows. And, It was that big rise in the dollar, initial rise, that actually made it possible for the Fed to get away with slashing interest rates down to 1% and launching quantitative easing. Because as a result of the financial crisis, there was a lot of demand for dollars. So even though the Fed was creating dollars and increasing supply, The demand was there. People were seeking refuge in the dollar. Even though the U.S. was the epicenter of the crisis, people were running towards the blast instead of away from it. And after the the, um, QE didn't lead to this rampant price inflation, which is what I had thought, I believe that when the bubble burst and real estate prices and stock prices crashed, The Fed would print all this money to try to reflate the bubbles, and that would cause consumer prices to rise. And that didn't happen. I mean, consumer prices rose, but not nearly as much as I thought they would and not nearly as much as they will rise. I mean, we're going to get all that inflation. But what happened was since there was so much demand for dollars, the inflation went into financial assets. So instead of seeing a big rise in food prices or energy prices, we got a rise in stock prices, but that was U.S. stocks. We got a rise in bond prices, treasury bonds, right? All U.S. assets, U.S. real estate prices went up. And because there was all this interest around the world in investing in U.S. assets, the Fed was able to continue quantitative easing. They were able to do QE2. They were able to do QE3 because all this money was just being recycled back into our financial assets and so everybody was able to take on more and more debt of course much more debt than i expected i thought that we would have a day of reckoning when the bubbles burst in 2008 instead we were able to kick the can down the road and inflate even bigger bubbles something that i did not believe would happen back in 05 and 06 i thought that they would try to reflate the bubbles but i didn't think people would be dumb enough to allow it to happen i was wrong I overestimated the intelligence of the rest of the world to be fooled for, uh, by the same trick three times. You know, but they did; they were fooled in the nineties, in the in the aughts, and then they were then they were fooled again. But it's not going to happen for a fourth time because the third time the Fed tries uh, this nonsense, it is going to blow up in their faces. Because when the Fed has to go back to quantitative easing and they have to go back to zero. It is not going to work again because they're not going to get another big rise in the dollar because everybody is already long the dollar. In 2008, everybody was short the dollar. The whole world was short the dollar. The dollar had fallen to an all-time record low. Gold had risen from nowhere to to a record high. Oil had risen to a record high. You know, the emerging markets had, you know, been on fire going into 2008. And so all of that changed. But now it is the mirror image of that, right? We're basically where we were in 2000, where you have this overvalued U.S. market and the global markets are inexpensive and the dollar is way overvalued. Gold's a bargain. We're exactly where we were back then, except we're, you know, we have a much, much bigger problem. And so even though we had this 10 years, right, it's been 10 years since the crisis and the best place to be was in the U.S. market. That is not the way it's going to be the next time. This this next crisis, we're finally going to get the price inflation that we didn't get last time, because when the Fed goes back to quantitative easing, the dollar is going to tank. It is not going to rise, and that's going to put immediate upward pressure on consumer prices and more downward pressure on long-term interest rates, meaning that the stimulus of the rate cuts and the QE is going to be offset by the contraction that will be imposed on the economy by upward pressure on long-term rates and inflation, which is going to act as a tax hike, on, on consumers. And so now the Fed is going to be put in a position where it has to get even more aggressive with its monetary stimulus to offset that. And then you get into this kind of death spiral where the more the Fed tries to stimulate the economy by creating money, the more it stifles the economy by, by that money just causing prices and long-term interest rates to rise. So the inflation that Powell doesn't doesn't see, you know, is going to overwhelm the U.S. economy when he has to fight the recession that he also doesn't see, you know, or he doesn't want to admit that he sees. But now all that stuff's going to happen, right? So everything that I thought was going to happen to the dollar, everything that I thought was going to happen to uh, the U.S. stock market relative to foreign stocks, all the stuff that I thought was going to happen when I was writing my first book back in 2005, it's all going to happen. But it's, it's, it's just happening now instead of 10 years ago because of the the world's foolishness to embrace the dollar and to jump to the wrong conclusion that the Fed's policy response to the financial crisis was a success, that the Fed did the right thing. They're now going to find out the hard way that everything the Fed did was wrong because the Fed was focused on the stock market and the real estate market instead of the real economy. Had the Fed done the right thing in 2008, then I would have been correct or had the markets forced the Fed to do the right thing. See, the reason the Fed didn't do the right thing is they didn't have to because instead of the dollar tanking and foreigners selling treasuries, they bought them. They loaned more money to the United States so we could go deeper into debt. So we didn't have the discipline. Right. I mean, just like, you know, if you're you know maxing out your credit cards and then some bank is dumb enough to loan you a bunch more money, well, then they'll just spend that, too. Right. You're not going to do the right thing until you have no other choice, especially if you're dealing with politics. So because the world was dumb enough to loan so much more money to an overly indebted U.S., we were able to blow up a bigger bubble and kick this can down the road and make the problems much, much worse than they were when when i was writing that book but had we done the right thing instead of reflating the bubbles we would have had a much deeper contraction but maybe we would have had a real economic recovery you know if everybody thinks that oh if we can just if we just goose asset prices that's going to help the economy it's not it's going to help a small segment of the economy but at the expense of the rest of the economy, you're going to make a few people richer at the expense of making everybody else poor. I mean, that is why Donald Trump became president, because the Fed sacrificed uh, the economy right uh, at the altar of the stock market and asset markets. Average Americans were sacrificial lambs. That's what happened. I mean, so the standard of living of most Americans went down during the eight years that Obama was president, even though the stock market was going up and the real estate market was going up. Americans had a lower standard of living because we weren't growing the real economy. We were preventing real economic growth and we were replacing it with phony growth. Phony growth doesn't trickle down. It doesn't benefit the masses. And that's why the masses voted for Donald Trump, because, you know, he he heard that he understood that he leveled with the public that they were being spoon fed a bunch of lies uh, from the president, from the media, from Wall Street about this great recovery that they knew wasn't happening. The problem is that once Trump was elected, he he basically continued the lie and wanted people to believe it because it was coming from him as opposed to Barack Obama. And when you have these people that are saying, oh, the Fed, you know, the Fed has to do what is good for the market now, right, oh, it was a mistake to raise rates in December because the stock market went down and we should judge... The Fed's success and failure based on the stock market, right, that it's if the market goes down, it's a policy error that the Fed should basically conduct monetary policy in order to get the stock market to go up. And successful monetary policy means a higher stock market. That's completely missing the point. It's because the Fed is propping up the stock market that the economy is not really recovering. Right? The resources are not needed on Wall Street. They're needed on Main Street. We need real investment. We need real savings. We need to make our workers more productive. None of this is happening by funneling inflation into the financial markets. Just causing paper stock values to go up or real estate values. Yes, it helps people that work on Wall Street and get paid based on stock values and it could help people who have portfolios get richer on paper, but all that is illusion. And eventually the illusion uh is pierced by reality. And every time reality rears its head, you know, the Fed is able to try to reflate a bigger bubble, but they're not going to be able to do it again. It is going to be impossible to do it again. And we've already seen, right, the my my prediction come true that the Fed would not be able to Finish the the, the the hiking cycle. I said that from the beginning, right? I said that the reason the Fed is not going to raise rates is because once they start, they're going to have to stop. That they're not going to be able to complete the normalization. They're not going to get interest rates up to neutral, even though they had to define down what neutral was. And that once they started to shrink the balance sheet, they would never finish the process. They would have to stop and reverse it. And that is exactly what has already happened. The Fed has already capitulated. They're not going to do it. Now, everybody thought, oh, they're going to do it. But nobody now questions the rest of it, right? You know, nobody gets it yet. They haven't connected all the dots that it's not just that the Fed is going to not raised rates, that they're going to cut them. And why are they going to cut them? Because we never had a real recovery. We simply had a bubble. And you can't take the air out of the bubble, right? You can't pull the table out from under the cloth and expect the cloth and the dishes to stay levitated in midair. That's why I said what the Fed was saying it was going to do was impossible. And they've already proved me right by having to reverse course. But what ultimately is gonna prove me right is when they have to go back to zero, when they have to go back to quantitative easing and the bottom drops out of the dollar and gold goes through the roof and all of my investment predictions come true. Those are the only ones that haven't come true. Other than you know the advice to short the subprime market, the advice to be in gold stocks and foreign stocks instead of US stocks, right? That hasn't panned out yet, right? Because so far being in US stocks has been more lucrative than being in foreign stocks or gold stocks. But that game ain't over, right? When at the end game, I have, there's no doubt in my mind that people who have followed my advice investment-wise, are going to be so far ahead of the people that stuck it out in the U.S. stock and bond market. I mean, it won't even be close. But the problem is, by then, it's going to be too late for anybody to listen to me. Because there are a lot of people that want to say, oh, Peter Schiff doesn't know what he's talking about, because look, you know, he hasn't made all this money because his investment recommendations haven't panned out. You have to separate the investment recommendations or the investment performance from my calls on the economy because my calls on the economy have been dead accurate. Now people want to say, no, well, you, you know, look at all this economic growth we've had. We haven't had any economic growth. That's why the Fed had to stop raising rates at 2% because the economy never grew. Yes, the bubble got bigger, but that doesn't prove that anything that I said back in 2005 or earlier was wrong everything that has happened since the financial crisis is more evidence that I was right. The only thing that hasn't happened yet is that the markets haven't vindicated me by rewarding me for being right. But that's because it hasn't happened yet. That's because so many people still don't understand what they're looking at. Just like they didn't understand what was going on before the financial crisis, they didn't learn anything from the financial crisis, so they still don't get it, including the Fed. Right When you have Jerome Powell Saying with a straight face, there's no bubbles out there, there's no leverage out there that proves that they've learned nothing. That they, they don't understand what went wrong, and they don't understand now, and they're gonna be completely blindsided by everything that's about to happen. I'm not gonna get blindsided by it. I'm prepared for it. Only this time I think I'm gonna make a killing because this time the dollar's going down. And this time, the inflation is not going to go into U.S. stocks and bonds because the world is not going to bite on that again. That is done. That is over. That trade is not going to happen again. And everybody wants to fight the last war. That is not the battle that we're going to have. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, poetic or just that this is what would happen because, you know, the markets, as I said, often like to set up so that uh, the most amount of people lose the most amount of money. And, you know, that's what this big head fake did. Initially, yes, you know, gold went up to 1900 The dollar started tanking. People were betting right initially that QE was going to end in disaster and that, you know, zero interest rates were going to end in disaster. They were right, but they gave up because it didn't happen right away. And all those people got bluffed out. They threw away a winning hand. People that got rid of their gold stocks and sold their gold and sold their foreign stocks in 2015 and 2016, they got bluffed out of a winning hand. Right? They had a, they had basically had a great hand and they threw away their cards to a pair of twos because they got fooled in, in, into thinking that everything was going to work out, that everything was great, that Paul Krugman was right and, and guys like Peter Schiff were wrong. I was right the whole time. It's just that before I could be proven right, the markets had to shake out all the weak hands. Unfortunately, some of the hands that got shaken out were, were, were some of my clients. Now, most of my clients are still with me. And we're getting, you know, the good news is some people now this uh, are, are starting to open up accounts. And we're starting to get a pickup in business. I guess now that the U.S. stock market is going down, uh, some people are starting to get the hint. Uh, But, of course, it's not a it's not a mass, uh, you know, flood of people coming in. I mean, it's you know, it's nothing like it was in 2008 and 2009 and 2010 there. You know, it was you know, I I, you know, it was I, I could barely handle it. There were so many people. Everybody wanted to send me money at that point. When with the benefit of hindsight, that was not the time to have been investing in foreign markets. It was a time to invest in U.S. markets. But again, who would have known that the best time to invest in U.S. markets was after this massive financial crisis when the Fed did everything wrong. Right. But, you know, the people who didn't understand that, at least on paper right now, did very well. But since they still don't understand it, all those paper profits are going to vanish. And so they're going to have nothing to show for that. Uh, But I think the people who understood it and had um, the patience and the understanding and the conviction to wait it out are going to get rewarded. As all the things that I predicted are going to happen even bigger. You see, because we took on all this extra debt over the last 10 years. See, instead of the debt going down, instead of liquidating the bad debt, instead of deflating the bubble, letting asset prices fall, letting people lose money and go bankrupt, allowing the economy to restructure in a healthy way so that we can have a solid foundation and have real economic growth that would benefit everybody. Instead of doing that, biting the bullet and dealing with the short-term pain to get the long-term gain, we took the easy way out because the markets gave us an out because the world gave us an out because the dollar was the reserve currency and we could go deeper into debt. So instead of getting out of the hole, we dug ourselves into the grand Canyon, but that's not going to happen again. No way. It would be crazy to believe that it's going to happen another time. So now when we have this next crisis, it's it's with, you know, a lot more debt. So instead of falling from, you know, the 10th floor, we're falling from the hundredth floor. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess either way you die, but I mean, this is a much bigger deal uh, falling from that that kind of a height as far as uh, the damage that is going to be done. And so I think that because we had to wait an extra decade, right, the payoff is going to be a lot bigger. The dollar's demise is going to be bigger. It's not only falling from a higher level, but it's going to fall to a much deeper depth on the way down. So I think the the money that is going to be made by people who are in foreign assets or you know in in, in gold and things like that, the profits are going to be much greater because they had to wait longer to receive them, and of course fewer people are going to get them because along the way they they lost uh, confidence. You know they got con, they got bluffed by the market, which again is what the markets try to do. They 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 shake out the weak hands. They they make it hard. Making a lot of money is not easy. It's never easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it right? What's really easy is just following the crowd and losing a lot of money. That's what everybody does, but that's the easy thing to do because when you buy into a bubble, you get instant gratification because other fools are doing the same thing that you are. And so for a while, all the fools think they're geniuses until they all get wiped out. And then they say, well, nobody could have possibly seen this coming. But meanwhile, the people who are smart are doing the right thing, but they're going against the herd. So they're not getting the instant Uh, ratification of their decisions because the people who are doing the right thing are, are just a tiny minority. And so in the short run, you know, they're the ones that look fools until in the end, you know, they have the last laugh because they end up with all the money that all the real fools lost because they, you know, they didn't know what was going on. And that's where we are now, but it's still early enough amazingly, that people can still do the right thing. I mean, you can still get out of U.S. stocks. They're still ridiculously high, even though so much has already happened, right? People are always saying, Peter, you know, what are the warning signs to look for? What are the flags? You got them. I mean, they're flashing, flashing, flashing. And if you weren't convinced before, the fact that the Fed had to do this about face, that should be enough to say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, Peter said this was going to happen. Nobody else said this was going to happen. And the question is, why did I know? Why was I so sure it was going to happen? Because I understand the bubble. The majority out there on Wall Street didn't expect this. They thought the Fed would keep raising rates. Amazingly enough, they can look at this mountain of debt and not realize that how can we possibly afford it if the Fed kept raising rates? It was amazing to me that everybody would agree that quantitative easing is one of the reasons the stock market went up but they weren't afraid of quantitative tightening causing the market to go down. You know, to show you how crazy it is, you know, what, 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 what people on Wall Street say. Remember, I was telling about how everybody was bullish on the financials, right? When the Fed was raising rates, everybody was saying, oh, this is great for the financials because higher rates are good for the banks because it means that they're going to earn more money, right? Their spreads are going to go up. So you got to buy the financials because the Fed is raising rates. And I pointed out, wait a minute. I mean, everybody was saying that when the Fed was cutting rates, that was good for financials. And it was. It was great for financials because by bringing interest rates down, you were making it cheaper for people to take out loans. And if you lower the price of something – you get more demand. So if you're a bank and your business is selling loans, if you can sell loans at a lower rate of interest, you're going to sell a lot more loans. So banks were making a lot of money because interest rates were so low, because they could make all these loans that people could afford to take out, that they never could have taken out if rates were higher. And it was propping up the value of all the collateral. So I, I pointed out that, wait a minute, these guys are completely missing the point. Because now that the Fed is raising rates, it's going to make loans more expensive so fewer people can qualify. But more importantly, it's going to reduce the value of the collateral for the loans they've already made. So when loans go into default, they're going to lose money. So I said that rising interest rates were bad for banks. I, had, I knew that lower interest rates was going to prop them up for a while, but that eventually they would come collapsing down because rates would have to go up eventually. But you had Wall Street trying to have his cake and eat it too. They were bullish on the banks when the Fed was cutting rates, and then they were bullish again when they were raising rates. But now they, I, I, a guy saw a guy on CNBC today recommending the banks, saying you got to buy financials. And why did he say we should? You should buy financials. He said because the Fed has stopped raising rates, and when the Fed stops raising rates, that's the time to buy financials. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. So in other words, it's always the time. To buy financials. When the Fed is cutting rates, you got to buy financials. It's good for the banks. When the Fed is raising rates, oh, the Fed is raising rates. You got to buy financials. When the Fed stops raising rates, oh, you got to buy financials. I mean, no matter what the Fed is doing with rates, the answer to the question is buy financials because these guys don't think. Right? All they want to do is, is, is tout the financials. So no matter what the Fed is doing, they're going to rationalize it as being good financials. That They're doing the same thing with the broader economy, with the market. They don't understand the problems. They don't understand the dynamics. That's why they thought the Fed would do what they were saying they were going to do. I knew they could not do it. But now, even though the Fed has done this about face, is anybody yet questioning any of it? Is anybody asking the right questions? Hey, why is the Fed having to you know, back off of its rate hikes? Why did it have to do this 180? What does this mean about the underlying health of the economy that we didn't get? Because so far, everybody who is happy that the Fed is not raising rates because the market sold off and stopped them, nobody is worried about the economy. Nobody is worried about the market. They all think that because the Fed's now got it right, that everything is fine. Because now that the Fed's not going to hike, they think the party's not going to end, right? The Fed is going is to leave the punch bowl in place. They're not going to take it away. Because they still don't get exactly what's happening at this party and how badly this thing is going to end. And it doesn't matter at this point that the Fed's not going to raise rates. The cat's out of the bag. And when the economy tanks anyway, when we go into recession, when the bear market continues and the Fed has to go back to QE and has to go back to zero, then a significant minority of people are going to put the pieces together. Of course, not everybody is going to put the pieces together, but you're going to have a, a significant enough minority, particularly outside the United States, who are going to finally get it. And they're going to flee the dollar. There are going to be no buyers. The deficits are going to go through the roof. Consumer prices are going to go through the roof. We're going to have the runaway inflation. Hopefully, it's not going to turn into a hyperinflation. Because hopefully, by then, you know, the Fed might do the right thing. But again, all that is in jeopardy. Because we may have a socialist uh, president with a socialist Congress in 2021. And we're going to have a government that's far more left wing than what I imagined what was going to happen back then. I mean, the the guy who is going to replace or gal who is going to replace Trump is going to be so much worse than Obama. And the Congress that we're going to have, that that president is going to work with, is going to be so much further to the left than the Congress that we had before. And they're going to have the ammunition to push forward this socialist agenda at a point where we're already broke. You see, sometimes when you have socialists voted in, it's when the country is rich, right? You you, you create all this wealth, under capitalism, and then you get a bunch of idiots who vote for socialists who wanna redistribute that wealth. The problem is we've already dissipated that wealth. We're sitting on a mountain of debt. You actually have all these politicians that think America is still rich, right? They think we're this rich nation and we can afford all this socialism. We're already broke from the socialism that we've already had. And when the world recognizes this, then we're gonna be broke. And the immediate impact of trying to borrow and print enough money to pay for all of these programs, right, that the socialists want, it's going to immediately collapse the economy. It's not going to collapse the economy in 10 or 20, 30 years, right? It's not going to slowly collapse it like in Scandinavia, because when Sweden, right, experimented with socialism, they were rich. They weren't broke. They weren't in debt. They had the wealth to squander. Eventually, yeah, they ran out and they had to start reforming because they realized that it was a complete failure. But we're not going to have 30 or 40 years to realize that. We're going to realize that right away. It's going to implode. It's going to blow up immediately, which is probably the best thing we got going for us because things are going to get so bad between 2021 and 2024, right, that the socialists may only have one term. Right, And maybe, maybe since things are going to get so horrifically bad during this inflationary depression, that maybe we'll finally be able to blame it all on government and the central banks. And maybe we can elect a free market government in 2024. Now, I've said this before. That's going to be our last shot. It's going to be our only shot, because if we fall for it again, if we elect another group will reelect a socialist, then that's it. We'll never get rid of them in 2028. I mean, they're, I mean, it's probably going to take a violent revolution to get rid of them by then. So hopefully we'll be able to get rid of them uh, after one term. And hopefully, you know, we can make a difference. I think that my clients and the people who have taken my investment advice, they will at least be in in good shape financially at that point to maybe help make a difference. In fact, one of the, 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 the reasons that, that – uh, you know, I think this is going to help me a lot more. You know, had the dollar crashed, you know, eight years ago, six, seven years ago, right? Had the world been smart enough to, to figure this out sooner, right? And not have, you know, given America all this extra rope that we use to make a noose and hang ourselves. I was still living in Connecticut, right? I would have paid a lot of taxes on my gains. But now that those gains are going to happen in 2019, 2020, 2021, I live in Puerto Rico. I pay zero taxes. So for me personally, it's going to be much better off to have capital gains now than to have had them back then. Now, I know a lot of other people aren't as fortunate because they haven't moved to Puerto Rico, but they can. I mean, you can still get out here. I mean, it's not like there's we've run out of room. Uh, so people can still move to Puerto Rico if they want to do that. And more importantly, See, I'm very worried that in 2021 when the socialists are in power and they have the White House and they have the House and the Senate, they are going to raise taxes up to maybe 70%, particularly on capital gains. I mean, I can see the Democrats saying – Why should we have lower taxes for capital gains than what people pay on wages and salaries? I mean, capital gains is what rich people have. And so why are we giving all these rich people these low taxes on these capital gains? And I'm sure they're going to raise the capital gains tax so that capital gains are not taxed at a lower rate than ordinary income, but at an even higher rate. So who knows? Maybe they'll take the capital gains up to 80%. I don't know. Right. But the one thing I do know is no matter how high they hike it, it's not going to affect me because I ain't paying it. I pay zero because I'm not in the U.S. income tax system. I'm in the Puerto Rican tax system and my capital gains living in Puerto Rico are zero. So that's another benefit for me personally. Uh, But I know that that's something that some of my clients may have to worry about. I mean, we may have some enormous capital gains. Uh, but the U.S. government may may try to seize them. Now, of course, one way around the capital gains is just you don't sell. Right. If you have these stocks that have gone way up, as long as you don't sell, you don't generate the gain. And then you don't have to pay the tax. You know, so if you just borrow against the appreciated value of your stocks, then you don't have to pay the tax. And of course, if you have these assets in an IRA or a you know pension or something, then you don't have to pay the tax until you start taking out distribution. So. There are other ways around that, but I am 100% confident that all of the investment predictions that I made as far as what was going to happen to U.S. assets, stocks, real estate bonds, relative to assets in other countries, all that's going to happen. It's just happening 10 years later, but because it's happening 10 years later, the problems are 10 years bigger, right? The debt is far more enormous. The economy is more screwed up. Corporations are more screwed up. Individuals are more screwed up. So whatever problems I was worried about back then, we've got them in spades now. And so the investment returns are going to be that much more dramatic because they were delayed. And you got a a, a great window of opportunity. I'm not sure how long it's going to remain open. I do believe that the dollar is going to continue to fall from here. Right? Uh, Gold is going to continue to rise. Foreign stocks are going to continue to outperform U.S. stocks for the rest of this year, for next year. But at some point, the trajectory is going to increase sharply. At some point, the dollar is going to stop just gradually going down, and it's going to drop like a stone. At some point, gold is going to stop gradually going up, and it's going to shoot up like a rocket ship. So don't wait for that to happen. Just get your uh, investment positions reallocated now. Uh, you know, Personally, I'm all in on this strategy. You know, I mean, I've been all in on it for a long time, uh, but my conviction level on the short run has only increased as more and more of the things that I have been saying have been happening. And that's what you got to do. And I, you know, I encourage everybody go back, go back and listen to everything that I've been saying over the past 10 years. All this stuff is out there. All my podcasts, all my YouTube videos. A lot of people like to say, oh, Peter Schiff got everything wrong. No, no. People would be amazed at how many things that I got right. Now, of course, a lot of people have been listening to me for a long time understand this, right? They're not just looking at a few big predictions and ignoring all the smaller predictions that have already come true that ultimately are going to cause these bigger predictions that have been made to come true, too. But by the time those all come true, well, then it's not going to it's too late for anybody to do anything, right? If you haven't invested the right way, you're done. You're wiped out. So you can't wait For every single piece of the puzzle to be filled in. Because by then, yeah, sure. You know, it's obvious to everybody. And when it's obvious to everybody, there's nothing you can do. When everybody wants to sell the dollar, there's nobody to buy it. If everybody wants to buy gold, there's nobody to sell it. So you can't wait until it's obvious to the village idiot that I'm right in order to try to take advantage of the opportunities that I think exist because I'm right. Because those opportunities only exist because so many other people are wrong. That's what creates the opportunity. Knowing something that very few people know. Understanding something that most people don't understand. That's where the opportunity is created. That opportunity is going to go away as more people figure it out. And everybody doesn't have to figure it out. Everybody will never figure it out. We just need a large enough minority of people to figure it out, and then that's it.